If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good afternoon to my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 44 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, April 26th, 2020. Let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys. And our other shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Be sure to visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and go to the podcast section to see where they feature Yapping Yankees. Be sure to also follow those behind the website Darren on Twitter at YankeesReport28, as well as the baseball chick Samantha at Ziggy89X. Special thanks again to Darren and Grunt Talks MLB for joining in on the growth of Yapping Yankees. It is episode 44, Purgatory Part 6. We now find ourselves on April 26th, and May is right around the corner, guys. I wish the weather here in New York would start acting like it. (laughs) I hope you've all been staying safe and healthy, your loved ones as well. As time continues to pass, let's just keep hoping we're nearing a big turn for the better with this coronavirus pandemic and that some sense of normalcy can return to us from being able to watch our beloved baseball again to being able to be within six feet of one another again, but... As I've been saying, and as with many things in life, we just have to wait and see, regardless of how difficult it's been for so many people to not do much the last month or month and a half. These are strange and crazy times, but in the midst of these crazy days we are living in, I've got another good episode of Yapping Yankees ahead for you today. We'll do this week's poll, discuss the league's findings and punishment against the Red Sox that was released back on Wednesday, which is what the poll may or may not be about, a little spoiler alert there. We'll talk about Manfred's optimism on there possibly being baseball in 2020, along with a new three-state plan to pile on top of the MLB proposal so far in an effort to play baseball in 2020. And I'll also give updates on the likes of Judge, Stanton, Paxson, and Hicks and the progress they're making with their injuries, so we got some things to discuss. But before we get started, I did want to wish my favorite modern-day Yankee and someone who I hope will be the next captain of the team, Aaron Judge, a very happy 28th birthday. Today is, in fact, his birthday, and I do feel bad for anyone who has had a birthday or is yet to have one in these COVID-19 times, since obviously the things you can do to celebrate are limited. But it's still possible to have a special day, of course, and I hope he has as good a birthday as possible. And despite some people's negative opinions on Judge because of injury struggles or whatnot, and I've gotten frustrated with that stuff too because I know what he's capable of, but nonetheless, because of that fact that I do know his potential and am confident we'll see it once again when he plays a whole season, along with the kind of guy he is off the field, he's my favorite Yankee today. I'm not sure how many of you knew that, so I guess if you didn't know that, then that's a little fun fact for you. 
but I did want to wish him a happy birthday before we got started with the poll today. So with that being said, let's get started with this week's poll. We'll begin on Twitter as usual for the results and replies and then head to Instagram. Episode 44's poll question, which there should be a bit more time to vote on from the time I'm recording now. So these results may not be 100% final, but they're damn close to it. And it's safe to say people's opinions on it are clear based on these results, as you'll hear in a second. But episode 44's poll question is as follows. Quite simply put, in your honest opinion, what do you think of the Red Sox punishment? And of course, leave your thoughts below for a shout out on the podcast. Just two choices for this week. The first choice being that you think the punishment was appropriate from MLB. And of course, we're going to get to all the league's findings and punishment against the Red Sox later on in the podcast during the MLB news portion. But as far as the choices for the poll, the first one is that you think the punishments were appropriate. And the second choice is that it should have been worse. And as I foreshadowed to just before about a minute ago that the results were clear on people's opinions, believe me, they are clear because of the hundreds of you that voted, 86% of you say that the punishment should have been worse, and just 14% of you on Twitter, this is, say that it was an appropriate punishment. So it's pretty safe to say people were not happy with the punishment. (laughs) That much is pretty clear. So let's get right into those replies here on Twitter. First up is my good friend James Celestin at BlackRebirth52, and he says, I mean, I hate it, but at the same time, I felt like Cora should have gotten more of a punishment considering he helped both the Astros and the Red Sox win both titles. Well, James, it's tough to disagree with that, and you know from past episodes as well as many others my opinion on people like Alex Cora and AJ Hinch the last couple years after what was revealed about the Astros and then now the Red Sox. You know how I feel about them. You are more than welcome and encouraged to listen back to prior Yapping Yankees episodes to listen back to my opinions on those two. But again, later on in the show, in the MLB news portion, we're going to go fully into detail on everything having to do with the Red Sox punishment as well as the league's findings. But James, I do understand your feelings of frustration about Cora's punishment as well as everybody else's frustration over it. And I share that and we'll get into that later on along with my opinions on all of it. But I do understand what you're saying, James, definitely. At G Goldsmith 824 says, Cora should have gotten more for his role with the Astros alone. And yeah, that's that's agreeable because they were saying over and over again a while back that Cora was one of the masterminds behind the whole Astro system, which was far more elaborate than this Red Sox system, as you're going to hear later. But still, with his role with them alone, I definitely agree. The punishment should have been harsher for that by itself, which, as you hear later, was the only thing that Cora was punished for, was the Astros thing by itself. And I do agree that that punishment just for that alone was not enough. I definitely agree with that. At Greg the Poetical says, punishment? What punishment? <laughs> yeah, I got a few of these, so <laughs> let's, let's just keep going. I do know a lot of people are so unsatisfied with the punishment that they refuse to even acknowledge that there was one. They're like, what punishment? I have no idea what you're talking about. Fair enough. <laughs> At MountainGal456 says, it should have been worse, especially for Cora. He was not only involved in the Red Sox cheating, but also the Astros. Well, yeah, we do know that he was a major mastermind with the Astros system. And with the Red Sox, we'll get to what the report said about him later on. Doesn't mean I or others believe that portion of the report, but we'll get to it later on. And I'll say what the report said and give my opinion on all of it. Up next, we had at Tegan Graham 23 says for Rob Manchies to say that Cora was quote unquote most likely not involved. Manchies, wow, (laughs) is just laughable. He's asking to be removed from office at this point. I just don't understand how the replay guy, who is obviously under orders from someone, is just not questioned about who his orders are from. Well, Tegan, your point is 
one that's hard to argue with. And again, later on in the show, you did mention quite a bit of what was in the report that I'm going to mention later. But again, what you say is tough to argue with. And as we'll discuss later, the video replay guy did really take the brunt of that punishment. We'll get to that later. At Peace Now for Life says, To call to punishment is laughable. What they got was barely a slap on the wrist. At the least, Cora deserved a much harsher penalty because he was involved in both the Astros and the Red Sox. I say this was no good. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and that seems to be what everybody's been saying in these replies so far. Whether or not they actually like the punishment overall, they really did want to see a harsher one for Cora, and that's really where my opinion lies more or less, and I'll get into it later again, but I agree. I find it very difficult to argue with these comments so far. At Laker 477 says, Rob Manford is a clown. The Red Sox quote-unquote punishment is a joke. Alex Cora was the mastermind in Houston, but we're supposed to believe that he suddenly reformed his ways when he arrived in Boston, and their winning the World Series was just a coincidence? Total BS. Wow. More or less what everybody else has said up to this point, but a very strong statement indeed. It's tough to disagree, again. At Bobby Tat 631 says, As an organization, it seemed justified, but myself, like many others, feel Cora should have had the harshest penalty of anyone, being his involvement spanned two teams and two titles. Again, I don't really want to go too far in detail on this because I am going to be talking about all of this later in greater detail, but based on what I will be talking about, I can tell you I don't have much of an argument for any of these comments. I agree with everybody, especially those focusing in on Cora and saying that his punishment should have been harsher. At Radio Shaktiv 93 says, It definitely should have been worse for both teams. I assume he's also talking about the Astros. But I'm not surprised because that tells me that they don't give a damn about integrity unless the Yankees have a scandal. Well, I, I won't speak for what the league would or wouldn't do if the Yankees were to be involved in a big scandal like the Astros and the Red Sox have been. But... I do know people feel very strongly about all this, as I do too. Some of my most passionate moments in the history of this show were when everything was happening with the Astros, if you listen back to prior episodes. And also, since the Red Sox were also revealed in this, and since their punishment came out today, and we'll go into all of it later, and I'll give my takes throughout all of it, of course, throughout this cheating scandal... Involving both of these organizations, if you've heard Yapping Yankees through the last year or so, when all of this started all the way up to now, whenever this subject is brought up, it's been some of my most passionate moments. And people are upset, as they should be. At Java 31 says, Did the team benefit from the video guy? Yes. Well, yeah, as the report says, it definitely seems like they benefited from him. <laughs> At Laura underscore Icemont says, The punishment should have been worse. Not as harsh as the Astros, but not another slap on the wrist like this one was. Well, yeah, I'll say this much right now, and it says this in the report too, which we'll again get to later, but this system with the Red Sox was definitely not nearly as elaborate as the Astros. You'll hear that later. But still, yeah, a lot of people feel passionate about this punishment not being as bad as they thought it should be. But I will, right off the bat, pun intended, echo Laura's sentiment about the Red Sox system not being nearly as elaborate as the Astros was. At official, Stacy says it should have been worse for both teams, so another dig at the Astros. And yeah, another example of somebody else who feels like Major League Baseball is not coming down hard enough on these people who cheat the game. Up next, we had my girlfriend at Vic Salimo says the Red Sox punishment was a slap on the wrist. They should have gotten far more serious of a punishment. Clowns. Well, the clowns expression has been used many times in these replies, as has the slap of the wrist expression. Everybody's just ticked off, that much is obvious. At Pastor Mike GHCC says it wasn't quite equivalent to giving a serial killer 20 minutes in the timeout chair, but it was close. <laughs> 
Okay, then. <laughs> At Mr. Wyklept said, We don't know what MLB knows, but they dragged this thing out forever and want us to believe there was a rogue video operator who went off the rails while nobody else in the organization was aware. It just doesn't pass the smell test. Well, if that doesn't sum up a lot of people's thoughts, I don't know what does. <laughs> That's a really good reply, and yeah, it just doesn't seem right, and, and I'll get to that in my opinion later on. I really do agree with that. At Armainer2 says, at this point, might as well cheat for the chip. I wouldn't be surprised if everyone gives it a shot at this point. Well, yeah, that's also how a lot of other people are feeling, that if Major League Baseball, in their minds, continues to not come down hard on those who cheat the game, that everybody might as well start doing it. It's just a messed up situation, it really is. Just since everything about the Astros came out months ago, it's just been ugly. At Beth underscore Wellington says, quote-unquote, punishment. <laughs> Another punishment in sarcasm. So Beth clearly thinks that it should have been worse, as do many others. At Mike Dolan NY says, Teams have been doing what they did for years using the Clubhouse TV. I'm sure many teams were using the replay room for it once it became available. Very different than what Houston was doing. Those players should have been suspended. Well, yeah, you know I agree with you, but they got their immunity. Whether it was right or wrong, they got their immunity. But yeah, I agree with you. They should have been punished. But that whole situation with them is over and done with. And Lord knows we exhausted that here on this podcast. We talked about everything there was to talk about in that whole subject. At official 52011 says, I think it should have been worse. Well, you are one of many. <laughs> At R.Y. Hutzel says, where was the quote-unquote what punishment option? Well, I guess it was under the criteria of it should have been worse, so you clearly think it should have been worse. <laughs> At Yankees Harry 1 says, It was so weak they had to put it out on the eve of the NFL draft. It's an embarrassment to baseball. Well, that could have been a strategy on the down low. Who the hell knows? At AJ Yanks Atlas says, They should have forced them to build a new stadium with zero charm. <laughs> wow. All right, then. <laughs> and finally, here on Twitter, we have at RoseConK says, I'm having a hard time believing that the video replay guy was the diabolical mastermind behind them stealing signs. Indeed, it is hard to believe. But again, we're going to go plenty in on this later on. And your comment, like all the others here on Twitter, is very tough to argue with. But as for Twitter today, that is all for the replies. As always, thank you all for the poll interactions on there. Let's head on to Instagram before we wrap up this week's poll segment. We obviously have the same question on here. Quite simply put, in your honest opinion, what do you think of the Red Sox punishment? And since we only had two choices for it on Twitter, easy enough here on Instagram for the Insta Story poll, we just use those two choices again. The first choice being that you think it was an appropriate punishment. And the second choice was, of course, that you think it should have been worse. And like on Twitter, I gotta tell you, pretty damn one-sided for the results of this poll. On Instagram so far, and again, as of the time we're recording right now, there is more time to vote, so these results may not be 100% final. But like Twitter, these one-sided results gets the point across about what people think about this punishment. 95% of people on Instagram who voted think that the punishment should have been worse, and only 5% say it was an appropriate punishment. So I think people have spoken on this. I think it's pretty safe to say that most people out of these people who voted think easily that the Red Sox punishment should have been worse than it was. So we have a few replies here on Instagram. Let's get to those before we move on to our news segments for today. First up, we'll start off with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, who always has a lot to say on these polls, has a lot of loud opinions on some of these subjects, especially these subjects on cheating. 
And she said there needs to be more strict penalties so lessons are learned. Since the Red Sox seem so proud of themselves, this is something they should be disgraced and ashamed about. That manager Alex Cora should be suspended for at least a year for each team he managed that cheated. What a travesty. Should all teams cheat now since it doesn't seem to be such a big deal? Strong words from the mother. You gotta love it. Of course, Alex Cora managed the 2018 Red Sox as well as the 2019 Red Sox, but the year that the Red Sox have been accused of cheating here and the league found that they did in fact, but it wasn't as bad as the Astros or as elaborate as the Astros, I should say. But anyway, the year that we're talking about when he managed the Red Sox is 2018 and he was the Astros bench coach, so he wasn't their manager, but it is still a big deal when he was with the Astros because as many people mentioned back on Twitter, Cora was mentioned as one of the supposed masterminds behind their whole system back there in Houston in 2017. So I do understand people's passionate feelings on this, and you definitely understand mine from the rants I went on about the whole Houston cheating scandal thing and now the Red Sox cheating scandal thing when it first came out. You know my passion on the whole thing going back months. I always understand people's feelings when it comes to passion. I'm a very passionate person. And people want the game's integrity to be kept intact, and things like this hurt the game, and people get upset about it, and I understand. And then up next, we're having the whole family comment on this poll, I guess. Up next, we have my brother, TomScuds15 on Instagram, says, They are trash. Actual trash, mate. <laughs> a comment put in a weird way that truly only my brother could put it. He says, mate, and he's not even Australian. Thank you for commenting, Thomas. <laughs> At official52011, commenting on Instagram again, since he also commented on Twitter, you're getting your second shout-out of the day, my guy. And he says that I think Alex Cora should be punished more than a year. Well, yeah, a lot of people focusing in on Cora, as we've heard, and yeah, a lot of people would agree with that, including myself. Then we had KevinYC0816 says, that was by far the worst form of punishment I've ever read. Jeez, you might as well not punish them at all. Yeah, this is what a lot of people are thinking. They said you'd be better off without punishing them at all rather than giving them what they gave them. So, Kevin, another one that is not happy with the Red Sox punishment. And lastly, on Instagram, also getting his second shout-out of the day, my good friend James Celestin, who on Instagram, as opposed to being at BlackRebirth52 on Twitter, on Instagram, he is the Dark Knight 025 and James says, it should be worse. It's crazy how Manfred continues to drop the ball, yet had it been the Yankees, they would be public enemy number one. And yeah, somebody else said that on Twitter, if this was the Yankees, it would have been worse and taken more seriously and the punishments would have been more severe. And who knows, I'm not going to speak for another alternate possibility about something that hasn't happened. I don't know how Rob Manfred would hand down a punishment if the Yankees were involved in some sort of a cheating scandal, and it would also depend on what the Yankees did. But I understand people's frustration. I really do. I truly, truly do. But as for the results and replies on Twitter and Instagram, that is all for this week's poll. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to join in on the Yapping Yankees fun with the polls. You know I greatly appreciate all of your interactions. And now, without any further delay, we will get right into things, starting with the story that happened in the middle of the week that had most people fired up, upset, disappointed, you name the emotion. And that was the announcement that came out on Wednesday by MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred regarding the long-awaited Red Sox punishment, which of course is also what this week's poll was about. Now, this was long-awaited because this was obviously something that took a long time for the league to conclude, and then COVID-19 pushed back the league's plans to announce their findings when they originally wanted to. The investigation had already been wrapped up for some time, as we know. So, I have the article from MLB.com that revealed the league's findings 
and their punishment for the Red Sox. I will read it all for you, and then I'll give my take on it that you've probably been waiting to hear on the show. So let's get right into the article. Again, this is from MLB.com. The article reads, Commissioner Rob Manfred handed down discipline regarding the investigation into the Red Sox sign-stealing investigation on Wednesday. Now what you're about to hear is the executive summary as well as the discipline from the words of Rob Manfred. All right. So it says, following an exhaustive investigation into allegations of improper use of the video replay room by the Boston Red Sox, I have come to the following conclusions. I find that J.T. Watkins, the Red Sox video replay system operator, on at least some occasions during the 2018 regular season, utilized the game feeds in the replay room in violation of MLB regulations to revise sign sequence information that he had permissibly provided to players prior to the game. I find that unlike the Houston Astros 2017 conduct in which players communicated to the batter from the dugout area in real time the precise type of pitch about to be thrown, Watkinson's conduct, by its very nature, was far more limited in scope and impact. The information was only relevant when the Red Sox had a runner on second base, which was 19.7% of plate appearances league-wide in 2018, and Watkins communicated sign sequences in a manner that indicated that he had decoded them from the in game feed in only a small percentage of those occurrences. I do not find that then-manager Alex Cora, the Red Sox coaching staff, the Red Sox front office, or most of the players on the 2018 Red Sox knew or should have known that Watkins was utilizing in-game video to update the information that he had learned from his pre-game analysis. Communication of these violations was episodic and isolated to Watkins and a limited number of Red Sox players only. I find that the Red Sox front office consistently communicated MLB's sign-stealing rules to non-player staff and made commendable efforts towards instilling a culture of compliance in their organization. Now, the discipline part of it from Manfred says, based on the findings described above, I hereby issue the following discipline. The first one being, JT Watkins shall be suspended for the 2020 season and 2020 postseason. When Watkins returns from his suspension, he will be prohibited from serving as the replay room operator during any game for the 2021 season and 2021 postseason. The second discipline was that the Boston Red Sox will forfeit their second round selection in the 2020 first year player draft. Draft. And the third and final piece of discipline was that Alex Cora will be suspended through the conclusion of the 2020 postseason for his conduct as the bench coach of the Houston Astros in 2017. While I will not impose additional discipline on Cora as a result of the conduct engaged in by Watkins because I do not find that he was aware of it, I do note that Cora did not effectively communicate to Red Sox players the sign-stealing rules that were in place for the 2018 season. No other member of the 2018 Red Sox staff will be disciplined because I do not find that anyone was aware of or should have been aware of Watkins' conduct. The club's front office took more than reasonable steps to ensure that its employees, including Watkins, adhered to the rules. Notwithstanding these good faith efforts to comply with the rules, however, the Red Sox organization ultimately is responsible for the conduct of a member of its advanced scouting staff. So that was the report from Manfred, and quite simply put, here's what I have to say about it. When it comes to the organization's punishment, which basically was just the loss of the second round pick, as you heard, I have a very whatever attitude towards that. I fully understand that this system and operation wasn't nearly on the level of Houston. You yourself heard it in the report. They used the video replay primarily before the game, and the information was relevant when there was a runner on second, according to this, which is only about 20% of plate appearances around the whole league that year in 2018. 
and he communicated the sign sequences that he had decoded from the in-game feed. It's still cheating, but obviously not nearly on the scale of Houston, as they were communicating through trash can banging to their players in live time throughout the games in 2017, which pitch was coming one after the other. That is far different and far worse. They reportedly did use the video replay room in 2018 as well, but the 2017 cheating was far, far worse. Still cheating, and all of this is against the rules, and I'm not justifying the Red Sox or anything. I'm just mapping out the facts as they are in comparing the two scandals. Houston was much worse in their methods and system. I'm just saying that, and I want to get that point across. I'm going through this piece by piece. So, in that sense, because Boston's was done in a much less scale, I understand the lesser punishment towards the organization. It did also say that Manfred believes most people didn't even know it was going on, so... In that case, fine. But where are the names of those who did know it was going on? Did they get immunity too, like the Houston players did? Shouldn't they be punished too? Shouldn't the players who took advantage of the system of Watkins reportedly going rogue as this report pretty much maps out be punished too? Especially if those ended up having a huge impact on certain games throughout the season, but I suppose there isn't really a true way to calculate that, but you never know. I know Manfred basically says he doesn't think the players who knew about all of this should be punished for Watkins' actions, but I don't agree with that. Just like I was okay with the punishments given to the Astros organization itself, and again, those were worse because of their system being more elaborate and impactful on games, but I was not okay with the fact that the players weren't punished in some ways, you know, because they got their immunity. I'm not a fan of this either. Those people who knew, which it sounds like not many did, but those who did know should be punished one way or another, just like Watkins, who was definitely punished. He's suspended for all of 2020 and won't be able to resume his responsibilities for all of 2021 as well, including the post-seasons of both years. But that even makes it have a lesser impact because, like Hinch, and this is the same for Cora too, as we'll get to shortly, I get the suspension is not for a specific amount of games or anything. I said I already understood that when it comes to Hinch a couple of weeks back with his suspension too. I get it. But it still makes it less of an impact. Even less so now when you suspend someone for 2020 at this time, when it's almost already May, and I know this likely would have been announced sooner if not for COVID, but when it's already May, there aren't games going on, and it's just not the same as a season in the past. I know that's out of anyone's control, obviously, but it does take away the impact of a suspension, whether people like it or not. He will still serve out the year, of course, and that's what matters with the suspension, yes. But everyone is missing out right now because of what's happening, so it inevitably lessens the impact. I know some people will disagree with that, and some people will reiterate that that doesn't matter, but I don't care. For me and for lots of other people, the current circumstances lessens any 2020 suspension. And I know lots of others feel the same way, but they'll serve out their year, and that'll be that. Now, when it comes to the man whose punishment was eagerly awaited, Mr. Alex Cora himself, even more so than the fact that I was a little upset that those who knew about Watkins and took advantage or said nothing didn't get punished, Cora's punishment was the one I was really looking most forward to, just like many others were, knowing the major role that he had in Houston, and then this was revealed to be happening in Boston the very next year in 2018 after having the role he had in Houston the year prior as a quote-unquote mastermind of the trash can banging system. This punishment was really what I took issue with. Those who knew about Watkins not getting punished? Yeah, I was a bit upset about that, but I can live with that. And the second round pick being taken away? Eventually, that's whatever. But Cora is really where my problem lies. What I said about my issue with 2020 suspensions applies to this too, as I said earlier, but let's take this from the start of it. The fact that his suspension, which is just for 2020, was just for his part in the system in Houston. 
He didn't get anything for the Red Sox because, as Manfred said, he didn't think Cora knew about what Watkins was doing, which I'll get to in a second. But sticking with Houston, a one-year suspension for being a mastermind of that entire system? Hinch was suspended for a year for being the manager and not doing anything to put a stop to it, not being the leader he was expected to be, yada, yada, yada. You know the deal with all of that. I'm not repeating myself. But he wasn't on the scale of Beltron or Cora, two names who were huge masterminds of that whole system, and Cora just gets a year, just like Hinch did, for that big of a role. Now, a year's a lot, don't get me wrong, but for the part he played? And then to find out that's all he was suspended for, 2017? After Manfred claimed he wasn't aware of what was going on, which I know, as I said before, this system with the Red Sox wasn't nearly as elaborate as Houston, as I've said, and didn't seem to go on nearly as often either, but he wasn't aware that this was going on as the manager? Manfred even says after that that he feels Cora didn't properly or effectively communicate the sign-stealing rules to the players. So you expect us to believe that despite your findings and his actions the year before in Houston and him not properly communicating the rules, that he knew nothing about Watkins? Nothing? I'm sorry, I don't believe that he knew nothing. And I think more action should be taken to him for not properly communicating the rules after what he did the year prior alone. It shows me that he didn't respect the rules. This is where my problem lies in all of this, as others have said, with Cora. I have a problem with his ruling, getting a one-year suspension, the same as Lunau and Hinch in Houston, when Cora, in fact, had an even bigger role as he was reportedly a mastermind, quote-unquote, of that system. And the claim from Manfred that he didn't find he knew about Watkins? I'm sorry, I just, I take issue with all of that. And speaking of Watkins, I'm glad he got the discipline he did, but I also find it hard to believe, as many others have also said, and I agree with them, that he acted alone in this like the report preached. The video replay guy going completely rogue with little to no one else knowing about it. And those who did know haven't been named or punished? And Manford didn't want to punish anyone else because of Watkins' actions? Him, acting with barely anyone else knowing? I'm sorry, it just seems a little too strange for me. It really, really does. I want to believe it's true, and I hope it is for the game's sake. But as others said, even in the poll replies, something about it just does not pass the smell test, guys. There was someone who said that exact expression in the poll replies, and I couldn't agree more. It just does not pass the smell test. I know the facts are supposedly there, but it just doesn't seem right. Cora didn't know, the higher-ups didn't know, with this also being the second time for the organization when it comes to the subject of cheating after the Apple Watch incident years back, which you could argue that that fact alone could have garnered more punishment for the organization, but again, that part of it I've become okay with. But for the sole purpose of the claim that basically little to no one else knew, I'm sorry, it just, it doesn't feel right. But if, in fact, the video replay guy Watkins was as rogue as their findings makes it seem, they did take action against him, that's for sure. I acknowledged that before, he's basically not allowed to resume his responsibilities until 2022, more or less, as the report said. But it's a bit weird how apparently he himself was the main mastermind behind what was happening there in Boston in 2018. Yet being a mastermind in Houston in 2017 alone for their system gets Cora just a year without even mentioning him being the manager of the 2018 Red Sox, where Watkins alone reportedly went rogue. Could Watkins just be a fall guy in this? It could be possible, or it may not be. My point is, again, the situation just doesn't seem right. You don't have to agree with me, but I read the report just before, I went through it, and gave my opinions based on the details, and compared it and contrasted it to Houston's as best as I could, so you can't say I didn't read the report or go by the details, but the situation with Cora doesn't seem right.
and I don't agree with his punishment, with his role in Houston, and his lack of punishment as manager of the Red Sox the next year, with the claim he didn't know what was going on. As the manager, after having done what he did the year prior, and not communicating the rules to his team. Those were Manfred's words, not mine. Go read the report on MLB.com. He said that he found he did not properly communicate the cheating rules to his players with the sign stealing. And you know what? Since he's only suspended for 2020, you know what that means. He's probably going to be rehired again despite everything he was involved in in 2017. And I still think he knew what was going on in 2018 despite what Manfred's saying for obvious reasons that I've already mapped out within this rant. Go listen back to it if you missed anything. But he's just suspended for this year. So it's no doubt that both he and Hinch will have jobs even though, yes, their reputations are inevitably tarnished after all this, which it should be at the very least. So at least that's in place. But I think it is clear that the these guys will have jobs again after 2020. I'll hand it to them. I think they both managed well with this whole suspension thing. I think they fared pretty well. Just a year for the both of them and that year being in a time period where nobody's playing because of what's going on. Without even going into all the other details, just that alone, I would say they did pretty good in all this. I'll give it to them. But I just really hope the game's integrity doesn't suffer even more down the line if these guys choose to do anything else. They would really have some nerve if they chose to do anything else. That I would give to them. But again, and it's unfortunate, I do think these guys are going to have jobs again after 2020. Both of them. Whatever. I think it's safe to say I and countless others around the country are not happy with all of this. But it's done with, and as Forrest Gump says, that's basically all I have to say about that. I'm just so tired of this subject of cheating, guys. As I said earlier, the whole thing is just nauseating and exhausting to discuss at this point. We've spent so much time on it on this show in prior episodes, as my loyal listeners are well aware of. So let's all do ourselves a favor and just move on. This is done with. Let's just move on. Let's talk a bit about yet another MLB proposal we can pile onto the Arizona and Grapefruit and Cactus League plans we spoke of a couple of weeks back. And that is the announcement of a three-state plan involving not only Arizona and Florida, but also the state of Texas. Now, this is just another plan that was discussed. And just like the Arizona and Grapefruit Cactus League plans, although the Arizona plan seems to be the one that's most possible so far, nothing is certain as of now. These are just proposals, but I like to make everyone aware of them as they come out. We never know when or if one of them may be used, so it's important to discuss, in my opinion, whenever another major one surfaces. So let's just move on to this and leave the cheating crap behind us. <laughs> now, when it comes to all the proposals, we all know that they're being thrown out there in order to have any form of baseball played in 2020, and the proposals, mainly the Arizona plan, have both been liked and disliked amongst baseball fans, athletes, league officials, the whole lot of them, going back a couple of weeks now. You'll want to listen back to episode 42 of Yapping Yankees if you want to hear more about those prior proposals and my opinions on them, other than the one I'm about to mention now, the three-state one that surfaced earlier in the week. But again, in any event, there have been some ideas thrown around within these proposals, many of them pretty out there, as you may know. As we've been saying, crazy times, like the one we've been living in lately, would probably result in some crazy suggestions or outcomes, but the number one concern should always be safety with this. Of course, it would be fantastic to have baseball back, and it's appreciated that they're trying, no one's denying that, but it needs to be safe, and shouldn't have to completely and negatively alter the athletes' personal lives either with their families. 
We talked about all of this already on episode 42 and maybe a little bit last week too. But on Monday, Megan Armstrong posted an article on Bleacher Report talking about this updated plan, the three-state plan, that CBS Sports' RJ Anderson talked about after hearing it from anonymous league sources. So I'll read a part of the article discussing this to you right now. So the article on Bleacher Report, it's called MLB Discussing Playing Games in Florida, Arizona, Texas to Start Season from Megan Armstrong. It says CBS Sports' RJ Anderson reported an updated plan relayed by multiple anonymous league sources involving Arizona, Florida, and Texas rather than just Arizona. He said, quote, ballparks in St. Petersburg, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, and Arlington, Texas each have roofs, retractable or otherwise, that would safeguard against rainouts and other extreme weather, allowing for multiple games to be hosted at those sites per day. Theoretically, MLB could also ask teams stationed in Florida and Texas to drive three-plus hours to other MLB ballparks like Houston's Minute Maid Park and Miami's Marlins Park. It's unclear if MLB would assign 10 teams to each metropolitan area or if it would opt for an unbalanced approach that would see 12 teams in one area and 8 in another. And then there's a paragraph shortly after that in this story reiterating what Dr. Anthony Fauci said, and many of you probably know Dr. Fauci as a leading infectious disease expert that's talked a lot on TV throughout this whole pandemic. But this paragraph reiterated what he said last week about the fact that the only way he thinks sports can return to the United States anytime soon is for games to be held in empty stadiums, and I think it's pretty safe to say that all these plans put forth by MLB so far, all these proposals have had the contingency that there would not be fans, of course. But again, all I'm really going to say as far as my opinion on this plan is going to be more or less the same opinion I have about the other two. If they could assure a safe system for all the athletes and all the personnel that would be in the stadium from the managerial and coaching staff to the people who would have to be in the stadiums during the games as well, if they can assure all of their safety and plus make it convenient for the athletes and their families and not have to strip them away from each other for almost a half a year, I'm all for this. There are things that need to be worked out, and that's fine. These are just plans that are being thrown out there right now. Of course, there are going to be hurdles that need to be overcome in order for this to even be considered, also including financial agreements between the league and the Players Association and many more things. But if they can figure it out, then more power to them. With these big three plans now mentioned, the three big ones being the Arizona plan, the Grapefruit Cactus League plan involving Arizona and Florida, and now this one, as I just said, if the flaws of all of them could be ironed out, there could be baseball. Or, of course, if things take a quick and significant turn for the better with the virus, too, then there also could be baseball. And again, I'd be fine with some sort of a shortened exhibition season because as Manfred himself said, the chances of playing even near a full season are slim. And given the circumstances, it's going to be really difficult to look back and consider whatever baseball may be played this year as legitimate. But we'll see. So I echo the same opinion for this plan that I did with the prior ones and anyone that's to surface in the coming weeks that if they can assure the safety of everybody involved and make it so that they wouldn't have to take families away from each other for a game for about a half a year, then I'm all for it. If they can overcome those hurdles, then go for it. It's got to be safe and good for everyone's families. As for the last piece of MLB news, and I know everybody's probably tired of hearing about Manfred, not to worry, this will be the last time, and you have all the right to be tired about hearing about any and all things involving Rob Manfred, as I am pretty tired of hearing it too, but regardless, this is the last Manfred story today. On Tuesday, Manfred did take a path of optimism, saying that he does anticipate baseball in 2020. Now, this is pretty big when he came out with it, whether a lot of people were willing to believe him or take him for his word or just didn't really care about him saying this, but I do find it important to mention that it's any mention of baseball or the possibility 
of it starting this year, it is important to talk about it when the commissioner speaks up about it. So he did say that he anticipates baseball in 2020. And again, this is our next and final subject on MLB News today, much quicker than the prior two subjects, but it is important to mention in my opinion. For two reasons, in order to give people hope about baseball, in fact, starting in 2020, even if it's, again, a shortened, abbreviated, and different sort of exhibition season or a season that counts, which again, I don't really know how you could do that. But Regardless of what kind of baseball, he says that he anticipates it being back in 2020. Again, important for two reasons, for giving people hope and also for a reason that I'm about to mention. So Jeff Passan did report that Rob Manford did tell MLB staffers that he fully anticipates baseball will return this season. Now, again, for the first reason of giving people hope for baseball to return before the year ends, this is a good thing. And the second reason that I hinted to earlier was the fact that right after Manfred said these comments on Tuesday, more than half of the 30 Major League Baseball teams committed to paying their baseball operations staffs through at least the end of May. That's what Passon said. So not only was it good for giving people all around the country some sense of hope about seeing their beloved game before the year ends again, even if it's not quite the same as past years, but it was also good because it encouraged teams to commit to paying their baseball operations staffs through at least the month of May, because we know not all teams have hopped on that bandwagon of paying their baseball operations staffs through that entire month. And who were one of those teams earlier that day that notified their baseball operations staff employees that they would be paid through the month of May? I'll give you a couple of seconds to guess. That's right, you guessed it. It's the Yankees, which leads us perfectly into Yankees news. How about that transition for the love of God? (laughs) I am such a loser sometimes. But again, it is true that as of early Tuesday, the Yankees notified their baseball operations employees earlier that day that they will be paid through the month of May and joined the rest of the MLB teams that had already committed to that, and it covers all employees on a uniform employee contract. Now, this is, of course, a good thing, although some people did say they should have announced this earlier, and it's tough to disagree with those people, but there are teams that have waited even longer or are yet to announce it for their organizations, so... There's that. Better late than never. People need their money in these trying financial times. I'm not making excuses for anyone or knocking anyone, but these are difficult times, and it's better late than never, as I just said. The important thing is, the Yankees baseball operations employees are going to be paid through the month of May. And of course, that's a positive. And we love positives, especially in these times. Another positive having to do with the Yankees, and this will be the final talking point for today, so we're ending on a good note yet again, which you know I love to do. Another positive is that there are more definitive injury updates from Aaron Boone on Judge, Stanton, Pax, and Hicks, as well as a bit of an update on a couple of other vital Yankee pitchers, which we'll get to shortly, but it's all good news. And really quick before we go into the updates, despite being at his home in Connecticut, Boone just definitely still seems to be doing his job very well to say the least at staying in touch with and helping his players and organization from afar so that's really really nice to hear and with that being said let's go right into this update let's hear from the man himself Aaron Boone who spoke to Meredith Morakovitz on the Yes Network on Thursday giving these updates on Judge Paxson and Stanton and then I'll come back and give a further update on Aaron Hicks from Brian Hoke on an article that he wrote on MLB.com back on Friday but I'll let you hear Aaron Boone first when it comes to Judge Stanton and Paxton I will waste no further time and play the clip. This is Aaron Boone and Meredith Morakovitz on the Yes Network. Take a listen. Where is Aaron Judge at right now? Is he healthy? He's in Tampa. Um, you know, we're, we're using this time. He's using this time to, you know, continue to heal. I don't really have much more for you other than um, obviously 
it, it's been very productive having the chance to have this time to allow that rib to heal and, and, and that is happening. Um, but as, as a, where he's at exactly, we don't have anything for you on that yet. How about John Carlos Stanton and James Paxton, two other ones that were injured during spring training? Yeah, John Carlos doing, doing well. Um, he's still reporting in Tampa and going through his rehab and, um, you know, he's, he's doing really well. He should, when we get ready to go, he should certainly be ready to, to be back in, in part of things. Um, James Paxton's done great. Um, you know, feel really good about, um, the decision to go ahead with the surgery and, and every step of the way, um, it, it's gone pretty smoothly for him. I think he threw his, maybe fifth bullpen uh, the other day and, uh, you know, continues to report that it, it's going really well. So really encourage where James is as well. Awesome stuff. I love the reports on Stanton and Paxson. It's great to hear that everything has gone well with them and everything seems to be on the uptrend for Judge as well. And you just got to hope we get more information about him as time goes along. As far as Aaron Hicks, here's an update provided in the article, as I said before, that Brian Hoke posted on MLB.com back on Friday. He said outfielder Aaron Hicks has been performing physical therapy three times a week near his Arizona home with his target date for big league games having been set for June or July, and Hicks has been swinging a bat and is throwing. So again, just like the other guys, Judge Stanton and Paxson, Hicks really seems to be on that uptrend as well and is rehabbing well, which is very, very good news. And like the Yankees officials have said, Aaron Boone included, this time works in the favor of those Yankee players that have been injured. They have more time to recover and they'll most likely be set to go whenever there is to be baseball played in 2020, if there will be baseball played in 2020. So obviously we all hope that all of those guys continue on the good trend of rehabbing and get back and ready as soon as possible so that they're set for any baseball that could be played this year. Now, also here in this article by Brian Hoke on MLB.com, Brian mentions the fact that Aaron Boone at his home in Connecticut has joined two other vital Yankee pitchers that I hinted to earlier. And those two pitchers happen to be Garrett Cole and Adam Adovino, who are also staying in Connecticut during the pandemic quarantine. We did talk about that recently. And Boone apparently has been able to go visit them and assist them in their programs with bullpen sessions. And Boone joined the both of them for their bullpen sessions on Wednesday, and he spoke a little bit more about it with Meredith Morakovitz on that conference call that they were having when they were talking about Judge Stanton and Paxson from earlier. So I'll play the clip with Meredith Morakovitz and Aaron Boone discussing how things went with Garrett Cole and Adam Adovino. Take a listen. We did pens yesterday with Otto and Garrett and, and they're both doing really well and you know physically they're they're in a good place uh, as far as you know workload and keeping their arms going and hopefully putting them in a good position once we get going. All good stuff going on with the Yankees right now. I love all that good news, all the good vibes going around, and it just seems like they're hanging in there during this pandemic, doing what they have to do to prepare for any and all baseball that would be played this year, and just having a good time too, because Boone actually said that he's been doing a lot of daily Zoom calls with the organization. He's spoken to the players, the coaches, the strength and conditioning staff, front office personnel, according to Brian Hoke, and some calls consist of a lot of talk on strategy and plans, and a lot of them are just casual and fun discussion, and it's just it's really nice to hear how good the Yankees are doing throughout this whole thing. It seems like they're remaining positive, still doing the work that they need to do, and just spending time with their family and having a lot of fun with each other too through Zoom calls and things like that. So it's all good things with the Yankees so far. And I give them credit for doing this well because of course this is something that all of us are dealing with for the first time. So I give the Yankees
Phillies credit for doing so well in the midst of all this. Doing what they have to do, being patient, and just hanging in there. They're doing what they have to do job-wise, and as far as their personal lives, I hope everything is going well too. And given that fact, I do think that this is a pretty damn good spot to end in. So, as of now, that is all for episode 44 of Yapping Yankees, guys. One last shout-out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Be sure to go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it, the list goes on. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys. And our other shout-out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Be sure to visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and go to the podcast section to see where they feature Yapping Yankees. Be sure to also follow those behind the website. Darren on Twitter at YankeesReport28, as well as the baseball chick Samantha at Ziggy89X. Special thanks to Darren and Grunt Talks MLB for joining in on the growth of Yapping Yankees. And also one last shout out, as I've been saying on the last few episodes of Yapping Yankees, to all of those fighting this virus on the front lines, selflessly, bravely, and tirelessly doing all they can to rid us of COVID-19. Doctors, nurses, first responders, police officers, the fire department, all healthcare workers, and so on. The list just goes on and on. I want to extend my gratitude to all of you for your efforts at all times, but especially in these times. Thank you to each and every one of you for all of your efforts. While you're at it, be sure to go follow me on all social medias. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter, which is, of course, the social media app I am most disgustingly active on, as most people know. You can follow me on there at Mike Scudero, as well as on Instagram. You could follow me on there at Mike Scuds 97. And I also don't want to forget to tip my cap, as I do every week, to you, the listener. Whether you just listen, give feedback on the show, vote or reply in the polls, interact with me about the Yankees, support me and the podcast, show love on social media, whatever it is in the world you do to show your love and support, I tip my cap to you and remind you just how much I appreciate your believing in me every single day. Thank you guys from the bottom of my big old heart. I hope you SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify listeners enjoyed as always, as well as you YouTube listeners out there. Please do not forget to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 44, are available on YouTube, and episodes 33 all the way back to episode 1 are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening. I'm Mike Scudero and I will talk to you next Sunday, May 3rd, when I come at you with episode 45 of Yapping Yankees. Until then, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and seriously, especially in these times, don't be an idiot. (laughs) Come on, guys, I believe in you. All right, I'm out of here. Have a good week, guys, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. Take care. (laughs) 